Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. Good morning, everybody. Hello. That sounds better. It's rude if you don't greet me back. Okay. Those of you visiting us, welcome. My name is Philip Torres. I'm married to Renee. And uh, we have the privilege of, with a great team leading this congregation, also involved in our citywide congregation. And all these guys are leaving. It's not because of my preaching. I hope not. It's our youth. Look at that. It's a whole amazing next generation. We believe in our children. We believe in the youth. We believe that God has called us to reach the next generation and disciple them. But with that also includes you. And... uh, We've been over the last four weeks talking about stewardship, actually the last five weeks. We start off with generational, you know, the genera- understandings generations and how God blesses generations through us. I am literally the recipient of a grandfather who served Jesus, a dad who served Jesus, and because of their lives, I'm standing here today. Our decisions, parents, your decision has consequences. As parents, we have the privilege, but also the responsibility with these little kids to not only teach them things, but first live it, live what we teach. Does God expect perfection from us? No, then none of us should even be standing behind the pulpit. There's no perfect preacher you'll ever hear in this church. I don't know, maybe in other churches there, but this church has no perfect preachers. There are normal people with feet of clay like myself. We stand here with fear and trembling when we preach the word of God because we ourselves are subjected to what we preach. We never above the word of God that we preach. We are subjected to that same word and and accountable to what we preach. So God is not looking into perfection. When he appoints elders, the Bible is very clear. He shows us elders. He shows us a picture, man of one wife, and he gives us all these things. And they look at, wow, that should be an elder. No, that's only the example how everybody should live. The elders should just live at first. God is not into perfection. He's into imitation. You're following his image. You allow God, Lord, you're the perfect example. And I'm not going to lower your standard so I can get to it. I'm going to keep your standard up there so that I can grow by the grace of God to that standard. That standard is perfect. It's holy. It's loving. And I'm going to take you quickly through just to recap What we've spoken over the last four weeks when we spoke about stewardship and God wants us, you and I, to steward our lives well. The very first week, we lay the foundation from Genesis 1, verse 28 to 29, that God is the creator of the universe. Out of nothing, he created everything. Then he created the animals and the planets and everything else. And he created everything in the world that we have today, everything which you today call business, God started it. What you call business, God is the owner of it. You can know, there's no way you will be able to define and to prove that you are authentically the owner, the official owner, and the original owner of everything. There's no businessman on the face of the earth that is the original owner. And in fact, when we die, you don't even take your pants with you. Naked you've come into this world, naked you will go. We lay the foundation that God is the only owner. But part of that, God then made man. And he said, go and be fruitful and multiply. He did not just give them a mandate. He also empowered them. He said, go be fruitful and multiply. Then he gave him a wife. Without a wife, you know, it's difficult to multiply. Okay? Then he gave him seed bearing plants and he gave him animals and everything has the potential in it to grow. Growth is biblical. Not all growth. You know, when I eat too much, I'm allergic to food because I swell. <laughs> okay? But, but see, growth is biblical. Family growth is biblical. Business growth is biblical. God wants us to grow. You see, we could either swing to the other side. Let's not grow and stay humble. No, that's also not biblical. See, we think poverty is humility. It's not. As much as richness is not, you know, humility. So God gave them seed for food. 
Then we see God is the, God then created a man. He created a steward. Beautiful passage, Genesis 2 verse 5. No bush of the field and no small plant. So God says, let's make this all. Here's all the plants. But then before he creates it, he said, there was no bush. There was no plant. There was no ability to produce. Why? Because two things. There was no rain yet. God did not give rain. Put his hand on it. Bless it. And there was no man, steward. No provision because no steward. You know why we sometimes battle? Because bad stewardship always withhold God's provision. If we bad stewards, God withholds his provision. It's a principle. See, God says, and then he sent rain. And then he put man in the garden. And he says, here's your job description. He put him in the garden of Eden. In God's presence, the garden of Eden represents God's presence. And he keeps, he said, work it and keep it. Take what it is, work it, work with it, multiply it, grow it, and keep it, maintain it. Make sure what you start, you finish, and you finish well. And there's T's and C's. You may eat of everything in the garden, but leave my glory alone. See, people think it's about a tree. It's not. It's about trust and glory. You see, what God is giving, it was not about don't eat of that tree. It was, you need to understand, I give you everything, but do not put yourself in the position where you want to be like me. It was never about the tree. It was about the pride in man's heart to say, I cannot submit to the creator of the universe. I'm going to position myself and make a name for myself. I am going to move myself away from the creator as if I am the creator. You can see throughout scripture, when man was supposed to worship the creator, they started to worship creation. And when you worship creation, you start to position yourself as the creator. And when you position yourself in the place of creator, your arrogance then leads us into deception where we start to missteward and mislead things because we don't understand the foundation of things. Friends, this is really important we understand this because the church is dysfunctional because of bad theology. Bad theology always leads to rotten lives. What is theology? It's your perspective of who God is and how it affects your lifestyle. He says, you can eat of everything, but do not eat of that tree. Don't touch my glory. Trust me. There's things that you don't have to worry where the rain comes and what the rain does. I will bring rain. Don't you do, that's my job. I will make it grow. You trust me. But we get into the nitty-gritty, so Lord, let me manufacture this. Let me up, and then we go into if and all kinds of things. And that's where fear and dysfunction comes from. You see, God gave them everything, but then we have the fall. Genesis 3 verse 6. So the woman saw eyes. What you see and what you say is what you will systemize. That's what builds your world. It's great to say people, don't do that, don't do this. That's, you can't say don't do that. You have to first change what they see. When the woman saw, God said, see this. The woman said, there's something else. Whenever you and I have a better opinion than what God has, we see something else. It always leads to what? To a desire in the heart. What they see, they started to desire. And the desire made them took, ate, and gave. Took, ate, and gave. You take it, you get involved. Then you start to swallow it yourself. You yourself participate in it. And then you involve and you influence others and you give others to eat with you. And that causes culture. That's, what, that's where culture comes from. That's where sinful cultures come from. You walk into a company, somebody saw, somebody ate, and somebody's giving it away. What is discipleship? You see God, you eat God, and you give God. You can't give what you don't eat. You can't eat what you don't see. So the essence of our Christianity and everything comes right down not to what we do. It's what you see. And what you desire will make you take it, eat it, and give it. You say, Phil, but I can't make disciples. Let me help you. You will influence people with right or wrong. You have no choice. You are eating things, you are seeing things, and you will give things. Even if it's passivity you give, you give passivity. 
If it's dysfunction, you give past dysfunction. It is, I don't believe in church. You'll give, I don't believe in church to people. And ask yourself, what is the fruit of your seeing? And what is the fruit of your believing? And what is the fruit of your doing? Is it bearing good fruit or bad fruit? Are people walking away from us closer to God or further from God? We see the fall had a major impact, not just on the aid of the tree. No, they saw, they desire. What would they desire? This will make me wise. This will build my name. This will let everybody sing my name. I want to be famous. You can see, man, you don't have to even market it well. You can just make do anything where people can become famous and they will fight to come. Because deep in the soul of man, without a God, we want to be God. What is behind fame? It is simply, I want to be God. Popularity, how many follows me? There's something in the soul of man that if it's not settled in God, you're going to look for your own creation that will worship you as the creator. Let me create something and everybody worship me because I have created this great thing. That's the pitfall of misstewardship, bad stewardship. So we saw the effect of the fall. What is the motive behind all bad stewardship? And you see it right through the Bible, but one of the best places is the Tower of Babel. Let us build for ourselves. Man, you will find ourselves the whole time in the middle. Me, myself, and I, and the three of us makes a bad team. It's a bad, mean team. You know what? When people ask, what is discipleship? There's many things we can explain to them, but at the core of discipleship is one thing. It kills people. If discipleship does not bring a stop to me, it's not biblical discipleship. It's maybe Bible studies, it's concepts we share, but if I don't come to the end of myself, I will never follow Jesus. That's why it is not attractive to everybody. And they get busy during the week and they don't want to make time for it. Why? Because most people don't want to die to themselves. And that's why they can never live for Jesus. But then they reap the consequences of a life self is pain and destruction and confusion and all kinds of things. And the curse keeps on going. Why? Because the curse is reversed, you'll see now. But if you don't follow Jesus, that curse in your life, it's there. It's available. You can participate. But if you don't want, you will continue with that same lifestyle. There is no other gospel available on the face of the earth to deal with mankind's problems. It is Christ alone, the hope of glory. There is no religion on the face of the earth that can help you but Jesus. And there's only way to, one way to Jesus is I have to deny myself. I have to say he's God and I am not. Any sermon that teaches anything else is unbiblical. Doesn't matter who shares it. Christ alone is God. The essence of stewardship is not what you give. The essence of stewardship is who you belong to. You see, when you belong to something, you can't give it away because you belong. When things belong to you, you can give it away. I used to say people, you know, when I talk about money, I said, money is only exposing who we really are. If you can't give it away, you belong to it. If it belongs to you, you can give it away. It's yours. There's something about making a name for ourselves. Let us build a tower. Let's get into God's glory. Don't eat of my tree on a hill. Garden of Eden was on a hill. Tree. What does man do? Let's build our own hill and touch our own glory. You see how the rebellion is always challenging the authority of God. Always. We always challenge the word of God. Yeah, but the word of God. Did God say? Did God say? Why must I go to church? Well, the Bible says so. We always challenge the authority of God. And that's why we live without authority and we live in dysfunction. When we can allow the authority of God to come back into our lives, he will make rain come upon our lives. So that they can make a name for themselves. What is the result of the unfaithfulness? Simply Genesis 3. 
disobedience because you have not listened to me. You've listened to your wife. You've listened to another voice. You listen to your, you listen to your friends. You listen to media. You listen to Facebook. You listen to something else but me. And you are not listening to what I commanded you to do. Follow my word. What happened? Two things. God blessed the earth and God made a steward. Now the earth is cursed and the steward. It's a dual impact. So when God comes and redeems, he's not just redeeming man. He's also redeeming creation. We cannot just say, I'm saved, but we don't care about the earth. We care about both. Why? Because that's what God does in his redemption plan. He says, cursed is the ground. And then he turns to man as he's in pain, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat your bread. Now that's a curse. Oh, we're doomed. No, we're not. Let me give you the outflow of this, which you now practically, I want to put it in a grid so you can see it. You see, when we look at the curse and we look at the effect of sinful man, you get two worldviews that actually comes from this. You get a worldview that is a poverty mentality, and you get a worldview that is a prosperity mentality. And both are worldviews. They're not biblical. Let's look at the poverty mentality. They see possessions as evil and unattainable. The prosperity view says it's achievable and my entitlement. I'm entitled to this. Don't touch my things. When you look at our work, meet only to, we work to meet basic needs. A poverty mentality. Only to get my needs. The prosperity mentality is I work to become rich. Self. Build my tower. A worldview. Godly people are poor. That's what the poverty mentality says. Prosperity says wealthy people are godly. See the opposite. Ungodly people are rich and proud. That's what the poverty think. See, that's why when you're in a poverty mentality, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it's a mentality. You will always talk bad about those who have. And you always break them down because that's what poverty mentality do, does. But the prosperity again, look upon the poor, and they say, we are poor, I mean the poor and humble. You know, ungodly people are poor and humble. Now you look at the next one. I give. Why do I give? Poverty mentality because I must give. The prosperity mentality says to get more. You see why the prosperity sermon and the prosperity gospel, which is not biblical at all, the prosperity gospel works on that same ungodly motive and it fills churches. If you give, you sow, you rub God's tummy, he pops out money. You know, it's almost like he works for you. You can live as one way you want to do. Just get money, throw money at the altar, and God's going to give you money back. And then people get majorly disappointed because after they gave the 10,000, they want the 100,000. It doesn't happen and they don't want to serve this God. See, any theology that results in you leaving God was bad theology from the beginning. Where's sacrifice? The same scriptures we use to preach prosperity sermons, those same scriptures was written by people who were martyred to death. How do you bring the two together? You see, we need to understand the word of God, the original intent. When the Bible was written, the original intent is the final intent. You cannot change it. There's something about why spending. Let's look at spending. Poverty viewers, they spend fearful and joyless. Prosperity says they spend careless and consumptive. Just don't care. It's enough. You just spend, spend. If you look at some of these celebrities, this $450,000 house and this car and that thing, it's just spend, spend, spend. There's no end. The poverty mentality motivated by fear and greed. And guess what prosperity is motivated by? Fear and greed. So, looking at this grit, how do we reverse this? Thank God. Genesis 12, God started to reverse. And he comes to Abram and says, Abram, things went wrong. And he said, and God always had a redemptive plan from the beginning. And he turns again to a man, not a perfect man. He says, through man, sinful man, I'm going to still fulfill my plan. Abram, I will. I will. He knows man is not going to do it. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. God does not have a problem with people of great names. Because great names mean, I mean, thank you for coming to every nation, Moikluf. It's a name. Hopefully our name represents God correctly. 
You see, it's not the name that's the problem. It's not the great name that's the problem. It's the great worship that's the problem. You have a name. I hope you protect your name. I hope when people think about your name, they have these godly ideas, humble, teachable, loving, caring. I mean, genuine, sincere, speak the truth, speak the truth in love. What is your name? He's not against name. He's against using your name to worship yourself rather than God. He said, I'm going to make your name great. But here's the secret. You see, we are blessed. You're sitting here saying, Phil, you've blessed me, Lord. You've blessed me. Why? So that. You see, people forget the so that. So that is a purpose statement. So that you will be blessed. And that in you and through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Want you to see the Father's heart from this passage because otherwise you'll never understand stewardship. God has a desire for mankind. God has a desire for every single nation of the face of the earth. God has a desire to reach every single tribe, every single ethnic group. God has a passion that all people will see that He is the only creator and that He's the Lord above all other religions. How will that happen? Can he use you? You know why the gospel battles to go across the world? It's lots of times bad stewardship from God's people. The church is not poor. The church is not poor. The church is maybe gripped by poverty mentality and prosperity mentality. And both will not reach the nations. Both will not go to the world. Can Lord come to you, the Lord come to you and say, I'm going to bless you with millions. I'm going to prosper your company, but you are a channel and not a reservoir. Oh no, Lord, I want to be a reservoir. You know what's the difference between a reservoir and a channel? A channel is a pipe. Things flow through. A reservoir is a dam. Things flow in and it gets stuck. There is not a problem on the earth. Imagine God called, Gabriel, call the angels. Man, we did a miscalculation. When we planned the earth... We did not put enough resources on the earth. We did not, I mean, there's not enough food, there's not enough, I mean, we have to increase the world. Let's expand the boundaries. Let's put more soil around. Let's move the earth. Let's give it bigger and let's give more gold and more diamonds and more stuff. And so, so because there's not enough resources, that conversation has never happened in heaven yet. Because there's enough resources on the face of the earth. In fact, there's enough resources Ability in Africa alone, three nations can provide, proven, enough food for the whole of Africa. And the rest of the other nations can provide enough food for the whole of the world. Why are we looking at food scarcity? It's because of the absence of the creator. Creation will collapse on itself. And friends, we as born-again believers, the Word of God gives us hope if we follow the Word of God. Your stewardship, your giving is not out of compulsion. Your giving is not because you have to. That's why we did not just preach one Sunday, one sermon, to get you to give something to our church so we can say thank you for your tithes and offerings. That's not the goal. Whenever we speak about money, people are like, oh, they speak about money again. Just that feeling in your soul is an exposure of the greed that is holding you back. We should be joyfully excited. Lord, we are not giving money. We are part of a big, wide world redemption plan. He wants through us, bless the whole earth. What should our response be? Ephesians 6, work hard, work smart. Why? Not to please your masters, because you're not working for them. You are born again. You don't belong to them. You work as slaves, stewards of Christ. Do the will of God with all your heart. Now I've given you a picture of the will of God. He's created us. He's created the world. And he wants to fill his glory in every family, every ethnic group, every tribe, everything upon the earth. This soul is too small. We can never get stuck. Ask for no more. It's unbiblical. It's not because we want to make a name for ourselves. It's because we want to take his name to every person who has not heard it yet. That's why we exist. The next verse says to us, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it. 
with, get your heart in the game. Work it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance. Oh, here's it linked to what? Abram, I'm going to bless you. And through your children, your offspring, I will continue my plan. And you are the inheritance. You are now the heirs of Abram. I'm giving you a lot of theological things that come together here. We are just heirs of Abram. And God says, I have an inheritance for you. It's not to make your name great. It's to make my name great by raising your name. It's his inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's the Lord Christ you are serving, not your boss, nobody around you. You see, this brings us to the right worldview. We spoke about the wrong worldview about possessions. It's either evil or entitlement. Biblical stewardship, it's responsibility. It's responsible people who are responding to the purpose of it. I work, wrong mentality, to meet basic needs or to become rich. Biblical stewardship, I work to serve God. I'm a channel, not a reservoir. Use me, God. Godly people are wrong mentality, poor or wealthy. The wealthy, they're good. The poor, not. That's not, that's neither. Godly people are faithful and fruitful. That's the right mentality. How much do you have? Two, three, five? He gave to the two, he gave five, and he gave 10. What did the guy with two do? He hid it. Five, faithfully multiply five, became 10. That's a hundredfold growth. And the 10 became 20. That's a hundredfold growth. Same growth, more things, but same faithfulness. God was never into saying poor will be taken away from. No, God says if you're unfaithful with the 10, you will be taken away from. It's got nothing what you own. It has to do with your faithfulness with what you have. If you say, well, I have only this, serve. Serve the kids. Get involved. Do with what you have and be faithful. Ungodly people are wealthy and poor. No, ungodly people are unsaved and unfaithful. That's a biblical worldview. I give because I must or to get something. No. Biblical is I give because I love God. No strings attached. What do you have today that God has not given you? We're not giving to get more. And yes, you will reap. But how do you quantify what you reap? I had breath in my lungs when I woke up this morning. I don't know about you. Thank you, God. Peace of God for our hearts. Where do you buy that? Which store? That store will not will multiply across the nation if you can sell some peace. Where do you sell some, you know, let's take your fear and I'll give you love. We give because we love God and we want to see His kingdom extended. My spending is fearful and joyless. Oh, it's carefree and consumptive. No, biblical steward says, my spending is prayerful and responsible. I'm going to give you a grit now. Motivated by what? Fear and greed. So prosperity and poverty mentality. But no, we are not motivated by fear and greed. If I give, what's going to happen? No, it's motivated because I love you. And because I want to be generous. So how do we apply this? Let's look at the principles. And John, Christian touched on some of it. Reaping and sowing. And remember, we don't define what we reap. You sow and you reap. The other principle is do it willingly, your heart, and do it cheerfully. Lord, I do this for you. And we also do it because our riches neither comes from us, it's nor for, nor for us. I want you to see this picture. Michael D'Angelo is painting this beautiful, beautiful picture. And halfway through the picture, he suddenly you can put up that picture there. Halfway through the picture, he calls you up and says, would you please continue my painting? He gives you a brush. He gives you everything that he uses. And he says, please continue. For, make sure, But please, make sure the painting looks exactly as my painting. Anybody willing to volunteer? He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. You see, here's what you and me need to understand. God started from the beginning painting a picture of the world. And all he's asking you, while you have the brush in your hand in the next 80 years, just paint your piece well so that this piece could look 
like the work of God. Don't get involved with your own ideas and your own purpose and your own defined and own self and mess up the painting. He's busy with a redemptive plan and you and I have a short period to be part of this plan. Paint well. See, that's what stewardship is. We are not just painting because we are on our own. We are painting because somebody before me started to paint. I want to study and understand what they painted. And I want to continue the little bit that I'm painting so that the next generation can paint after me and the next generation can paint after me so that the glory of the earth will be filled with God. That's why I believe in discipleship and not just our Sunday services where you listen to one man roar like a lion in front. But during the week, you found your foundations and you yourself are not just finding Christ, but you become fruitful so we can keep on painting Christ in people's lives all the time. So let's get to basics today, financial stewardship, tithes and offerings. Can we speak about that in church? Now, well, as a church, we don't remind you every Sunday, but guess what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna be crystal clear. Because otherwise, I will keep you financially illiterate and that will not be good for you. So here's what the Bible's saying about it. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for, for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Wow. So here come God, bring the full tithe. Now is this the first time he's speaking about it? No, it's not. This is just a very powerful scripture. But then you have the wise, greedy people say, oh, but that's Old Testament. The moment somebody says to me, it's Old Testament, I see greed. I've never, ever met any Christian who said to me it's Old Testament because they want to fight me to give more. Never. It's always the greedy ones to give less. That's an exposure of heart. I know it's Old Testament. But so is your creation. Let us make man in our image. Oh, that's not Old Testament. That's Genesis 1, guys. See, we are very picky what is Old Testament and what is not. It's actually exposing your worship. It is Old Testament. Let me read it to you. Let's go back to verse 6 because we miss it many times. Same passage. I, the Lord, your God, do not change. Explain to me Old Testament. Is it the New Testament? He changes now. I, the Lord, your God, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers... You have turned aside from my statues. Oh, they also had an Old Testament, their fathers. And they've turned away from it and not kept it. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Good question. Lord, how do we return? Will a man rob God? Will you take what is not yours? Who's the owner? We laid the foundation. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? in your tithes and contributions, your offerings. And therefore, the curse continues. We find nations cursed, says the Bible, because they're unfaithful to the Creator. We don't have a nation provision problem. We have a worship problem in nations, friends. We have to bring God back. So what is tithe? Here's a few simple principles. Principle one, it's first. So where was the very first exposure of giving? Cain and Abel. That's way back in the Old Testament in Genesis. Abel gave his first best lamb. Cain just gave some of his crop. It was not about what gave, who gave what because lamb is better than crop. No. Abel gave because it came from his heart. Cain gave because he had to. And God rejected it. It's not how much you give. So first principle is first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Proverbs says, bring first your tithes and offerings. Which means, if you look at a list, you put it first. Before Sars, before anyone else, first. The principle of first. That's what he's talking about. God is first. Would you like God to keep you first on his list? See, first is a place of priority. 
The second thing is your whole tithe, which means if I get 50, it's 5,000. Now, that's just, that's not the full giving. That is just the basics, the bare minimum God expects of you before you can become even generous. It's just your tithe. That's not generosity. That is simply the basic of just obedience. Above that becomes generosity. That's why it says tithes and what is the end? That's where generosity kicks in. Where do you take it? Now, my missionary friend who works in Vietnam, God said I must give them money. Then obey God. Give him money. But don't take the kids' school money and pay for petrol. Don't take your petrol money and pay for food. Don't take your tithe and think you obey God by doing what God told you, but you're actually robbing God. Now, you don't give your tithe to your friend in Vietnam. You give above your tithe to your friend in Vietnam because that's what generosity is. Your tithe goes to the storehouse. What is the storehouse? Right here, right now, right here, it's where you get your food. It's your local church. And if you're not in this local church, don't give your tithe here. Go to your local church and give your tithe there. That's where you get your food. So it's in your storehouse. It's your local church, period. There's no other definition for that. And if you want to give more, you may do that above your tithe. And then faithful means nobody needs to control, check you. We have in 16 years never done a thousand offerings message every Sunday. Who of you have been with us for a while and you realize we don't do that? Why? Who reminds you of your money to pay your own bills? I don't. Nobody. See, we keep people immature but not laying a foundation. So we're speaking about it today and tomorrow, be faithful. We're not going to remind you because it's worship unto God yourself. See, that's what we want to raise, mature people who do that by themselves. So let's look at Malachi, and he talks about just a last bit. He says, don't be arrogant. People say, in vain we serve God. What profit is, uh, is it that we keep his commands? And we call the arrogant blessed because we see them prosper as they put God to the test. Let's not be part of that, friends. Deuteronomy say, may my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. See where arrogance comes from? When I become entitled to the gifts of God upon my life and what God has done in and through me. But remember your God. We just had communion. Thank you for your death. Remember the God. For it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. If you have wealth, it came from an ability and that ability was given you by God. Honor Him. That's what the scripture is saying. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your fathers up till today. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. The towers came down. It's uncertain. But to put their hope in God. Do not touch his tree. Trust him. Who richly provide us with everything for our enjoyment, you're allowed to enjoy things. You don't have to feel guilty. Just honor God first. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So am I, as a leader, responsible to command you to be generous? I would do you a disfavor not to tell you to be generous, to give you opportunity to be generous, give you places where you can be generous. So yeah, there's a few places where you can be generous. Generosity fields, first of all, is the storehouse, this house. And thank you, since we planted, God's blessed us. We've been financially secure from day one because of faithful people that are giving. That was, in the beginning, 25 people. Let's say families, 50 people. There's room for more. Everyone has been faithful. But the second place where you can sow is we have ministry partnerships. There's guys that are on team that are working in schools where there's no money. They work on campus where there's no money. Some of them are in Croatia, Netherlands, Uganda, Mozambique, calling them all, all over. They go into nations. Hansi in Croatia has to have a budget of 90,000 rand to live in a two-bedroom flat, buy the basics of food, and just make it. Because it's euro. 
So do we not go to creation and let the whole nation be cursed because of money? No, money is a servant. Money does not dictate our decisions. We go, money comes. Money never makes our decisions. The gospel makes our decisions because God wants to bless the nations and he will use willing channels like you and me to send them. We have channels, Lord. How can we take the gospel to the nations? One thing you'll find in our church, we're not just telling you to be generous. We have built pipelines so you can know your, your generosity will also be faithfully stewarded and there will be an AGM every year to show you exactly what we do with money. We do not abuse money in this church. Because we abuse it, you don't have to give you. Give your money somewhere else. Because unfaithful stewardship always stops giving. But if we are faithful with the money and we steward it well, will you be faithful with giving? Business people, will you be faithful to dream? Why do you dream so small? I just want to get enough for my family and buy a car. Why don't you dream about millions? Just don't eat it up. Dream about nations. I've longed all my years being in ministry to raise up a church that will get out of this, this stuck rut where we just follow certain things. And we're not dreaming about changing nations and changing culture and changing poverty. And we can do that if we come together and we see God's plan. You're not just bringing your money. You bring your gifts. You bring your talents. And we bring everything together. As I give 100%, you give 100%. Then we'll change the culture. That's what God's calling us to. Where can you give? Reach. Reach is our missions and church planting. Since we started Reach, we have sent more church plants out. This congregation church, 20, we planted in 2008. From 2008, in 16 years, guess how many churches have we planted? 17. It's more than one a year. It's because of faithful people like you. And that does not just take money. It takes leadership. It takes people. It takes systems. It takes support. It takes a lot. But if we can come together, why not populate the whole world? Africa, 37 nations. We have not an every nation church in yet. Europe, 30 nations. That's 37 leaders, guys, 67. We can do that in our generation. And our generations to come can multiply that and grow that. Where can you still give? Social responsibility. Look well after the people who work in your home. Be generous to them. Do not withhold from them. Don't do that. Care for them. Rather, withhold from yourself and be blessing to them. Be a blessing to your gardener. Bless them. Look after them. Be a born-again believer that shows them Christ. And while you do that, share the gospel with them. I led a guy to Christ who came to my small group. His name is, don't give names. Started to walk with him. And as I disciple him, he then started to care about his gardener. And he led his gardener to Christ. That gardener is Ben Bakali, who's now our missionary in Malawi, leading people to Christ. You'll see him every week baptizing people in Malawi. Where did he come from? He was a gardener in a disciple's home. Not a Christian. Christians do nothing. Disciples do something. And he discipled him. And now he's, and then we get behind him and say, Ben, you go. Don't worry about money. You lead people to Christ. And you build God's church. We are busy putting up a baby haven in our city. A baby haven is a place where we look after destitute children that are in a season of, you know, they rejected here and they don't have a family yet. And we're putting up our first home, baby haven. Now, as every nation, our Joburg church has conquered something. It is only two institutions in South Africa under the government has the legal right to appoint their own social workers and everything else because it's all controlled by the government. Every nation won the court case. We are one of those two. We have a legal right to appoint our own people so we can appoint Christians to work in our homes. And social, uh, social workers, all of them, is defined by us, not by the government. We have a legal document. We won the court case last year. We're putting baby havens up. We're looking after that money. You can be involved. You can give your gifts. You can give your time and you give your money. Another channel where you can sow seed is benevolence. Why don't you wake up every week, Lord, who can I bless this week? That's blessed. You hear God's voice. And I mean, more blessed is the one who gives than the one who receives. Care about spiritual family. That's what benevolence is. And the last one is obedience sowing where God leads you. That is God defining, do that, do this. God has told me many times, just do something and I would do it. Can I grow in this area? Yes, I can. So let me end with this. I want to give you two pictures in your mind. There's a consumer funnel that looks like this. Your wants, 
liabilities, needs, and generosity. A consumer funnel, which is the prosperity and the poverty mentality. It's like a trechter. It's a funnel. What comes in, goes out. What comes in, goes out. What comes in, goes out. You give them more, they eat more. There's no satisfaction. There's no closure. There's no stewardship. It's just consuming. You know, the story of a guy who said, Lord, I had, you know, you had 100 rand. He said, Lord, please help me. And God says, give 10 rand. And he gave 10 rand. And then God increased it to 1,000. And God says, out of the 1,000, 100 is mine. Yes, and he gave his 100 to God. And he said, Lord, but I give a little bit more. And he gave 50. And then God increased his 1,000 to 10,000. And God says, I want 2,000 of that. 2,000? Uh, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. And then God increased it to a million. And God says, I want 300,000 from your million. You have 700,000. Lord, 300,000 from a million. That's a lot of money. Lord, I'm battling with that. And God says, okay, let's just decrease you back to 1,000. Then we're okay. You see how quickly power and money can change our soul. That's the consumer. What is the right way of budgeting? I want you to go think about this. Your needs, God knows about them, but be careful what you call a need. That's life things, food, living. Then you have your liabilities. Liabilities also be very careful. You maybe don't need that new car because they tell you there's a new car in the market. You may be okay with that car because I tell you I've seen expensive cars and my car and we get to the same destination and yeah, it's just amazing. I get to the same destination in the same place and it cost me a quarter of the price. <laughs> be careful what the world tells you. I'm not saying it's wrong to drive cars. I'm just saying what's out your hearts. We are not into a poverty mentality. I hope you hear us as a church. There's no condemnation, whatever you drive. I just ask you, be a good steward of it. So you look at your liabilities, your wants, and then the generosity is the last little bit fat. So what happens with generosity? If you keep on expanding your needs, your liabilities, and your wants, there's no more fat left. Decrease your liabilities. Decrease your wants. Decrease your needs so that we have more fat. And what you can do is sit with God every six months. Lord, what can we agree on? We agree on 50,000. Great, Lord. Here's my tithe. That's a side. That's part of the 50. Lord, how much do I give? 10. Great, there's 40 left. Work your needs and so on. Six months later, God says, you've been faithful. Why don't we increase it to 80? And you keep so much. Why don't we increase it to 100, 150? See what happens? It is a relation of God. There's no one circle for everybody. It's stewardship. God gives us different gifts. God will entrust to some people more than others. That's never a comparison. It's about faithfulness. That we are faithful with what God gives us. I end with the scripture. 2 Corinthians 8, but just as you excel in everything, you excel in business, you excel in life, you excel in things, you excel in your faith, you excel in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. Don't just grow in some areas, but decrease in giving. Our church will be a generous church because this is the foundation we build on. We came to Pretoria and somebody paid money to our account and I said to my staff, how do we build a generous church? That was in 2008 with no money. No budget, no people. Oh no, we need to speak this, preach this, preach this. I said, that's all great. You know, we're never gonna build a generous church like that. Here's how we build a generous church. You as staff who are on partnership where people support you, Go and ask God, what must you give so that this church can happen? We're not asking business people, you give. They came back, we had 12,500 rand in our budget. That's how we started. We grew it two months, it was over 20. God said, I want you to give half of that to another church that's planted in Thrustenburg. Half our budget, Lord? Yes, gave half of it, 10,000. A week later, somebody else called us, here's 20,000. I can tell you story upon story upon story. We got to March, May. God blessed us. We got to a place where we were paid from Stellenbosch Church. They started to struggle. And I said, Lord, we want to give them all the money back, not just stop that they support us, but we want to give them all the money back, what they've given us from the beginning. And we paid our whole amount back to Stellenbosch. The next week, somebody paid 
700,000 rand into our account. I'm giving you figures now. It's not about the amounts. I believe in this. Personally, as a church, whenever I see opportunity to give, I don't think twice. Sometimes people have to say, don't, wait, slow down, because we also want to be wise. Can I ask Dippies? Hey, Dippies, can we give to this? Can we do that? He's one of our elders. Why do I give? Because he gave it all. For God so loved the world, he gave. If you mishear this message, you will live in greed the rest of your life. We don't want your money. We don't need your money. You need to give because you worship. You need to give because you love Jesus. Nobody's going to check on it because we don't do that, because we trust you. As a family, as a leadership, we trust people. We journey with you. And we commit to be faithful with what you give, but give faithfully. Give first. Give the whole time. Do it regularly. I give for my son, my son at his birthday that day. I said, Lord, prayed. I wanted to give out of that. Never asked him. The more we train our children to start to live like that, they'll become great businessmen and women. Father, we thank you for this morning. As we lay this foundation, work is worship. And Lord, as we work, we gain. And as we gain, may we worship you with the gain also. Lord, I thank you that there's no compulsion or guilt on anybody. But the freedom that we can actually participate in seeing the world come to know Jesus through many things as we share the gospel, as we live good quality lives, but also as we are generous towards your mission. Bless your people. If you're sitting here this morning, first of all, you're not sure that you're born again and you're in right standing with God. Don't you want to just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody. You're not sure that your life is right with God. Don't want to miss this if there's anybody. Second thing I want to pray for, if you're sitting here this morning, say, Phil, I hear you, and I want to break the hold of fear over my life and greed. And there is fear. Lord, I don't know what will happen if I do this. God knows that. Come to him. Don't you want to just put your hand on your heart and pray softly this prayer, Lord Jesus, I give you the fear of lack. I surrender the greed of lusting for more to you. Fill me with your peace and allow me to trust you so I can from today be faithful what you provide for me. Lord, I thank you. Release your people. Some of your business people, God wants you to dream bigger so that you can also become a greater, generous person but be faithful what you have right now. Lord, I bless your people. I bless every family. I bless their finances. I bless their possessions. I bless their children. Lord, I pray that through us, may the nations know you. May we be a channel as a church for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationtwane.org forward slash moikloof. That's everynationtwane.org forward slash moikloof. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.